Science isn't just about answering one big question. It's about answering thousands of tiny questions that can hopefully shed light on the big ones. Shark movement through Cape Cod and beyond is a big question that the Atlantic White Shark Conservancy is looking to answer, but like I mentioned, science is built in parts. Brian Laguerre is a shark researcher with the Center for Coastal Studies who is using acoustic tag signals to observe fine-scale shark movement in the Cape Cod area. A more focused look at where sharks are going and what they're doing when they come to the shores off Massachusetts. Brian and I had a chat about how sharks move offshore, what sharks do in hurricanes, and how different sharks handle a changing habitat. So I'm here with Brian Laguerre. He's a shark expert and a biologist at the Center for Coastal Studies. How are you doing today? I'm very well. How are you? Pretty good. Uh, so today we're going to be talking more about sharks. And this is Shark Tale, so uh, I hope you're prepared to talk about sharks. I understand uh, you're prepared to talk about sharks? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Tell me a little bit what you, about what you research. It's uh, You look into the fine-scale movements of white sharks. There's a couple things about me. I'm a fish biologist and I study habitat. Uh, so at the center, we're combining the two uh, by mapping the habitat and then t tracking the same sharks that the White Shark Conservancy and Division Marine Fisheries are tagging, uh, but using the receivers in a dense grid to track them and triangulate the positions. What conclusions are you trying to get from those movements? So mainly we're trying to describe what they're doing in waters between 1 and 10 meters uh, along Cape Cod. We go out there and map the area to understand the topography, the bed forms, and measure the waves, the winds, and the currents. But with the triangulation, uh, when the shark tag pings and makes a noise, it's recorded by these things called receivers, which are hydrophones. Uh, and due to time at arrival, and if it's heard by at least three of these receivers, we can pinpoint position amongst the beds and the waves and the tide uh, and how they're moving up and down the coast um, in reference to seals and other you know, things we like. <laughs> Certainly. So and you're focusing in shallow waters. And that's really what that's very important because that's where we need to know a lot about white shark activity, because that's where the people are swimming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that the, this directly addresses the overlap between shark habitat and people habitat uh, to better understand how we could not have, you know, negative interactions and also understand, you know, what the sharks are doing in these areas. What are you finding so far in your research about shark movement in these shallow waters? Last September, we were able to do a pilot study for about three weeks off of Turo. We had at least 33 white sharks pass through the waters directly off of Head of the Meadow and Turo, uh, able to track in fine scale 21 of those sharks uh, and identified 1,928 positions of those sharks. In looking at those positions and how they were moving through, some sharks just cruise right through, don't spend any time. Some sharks do more of a search pattern working their way back and forth up through the area. And at Head of the Meadow, we have a perennial seal hollow that is pretty consistent. And the majority of the points were clustered around the seal hollow and directly offshore there. So there's definitely 
the idea of don't swim with seals. You don't want to be near their plate. Are you also tracking the seal uh, movement as well, along with the shark movement? Like, how does that uh, coincide? So we're more looking at seal presence. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, we don't have any large number of seals tagged. There are seals tagged throughout the area, but they're not really transiting through the um, my arrays. Uh, so we're more looking at seal presence and what their general behavior is. And and initially, you know, what got you into shark movement and the study of this uh, very specific uh, angle of sharks? So I've always been a fish guy, you know, and sharks are, you know, fish. Surprisingly, uh, they're fish. Like, sometimes you forget, like, hey, these are just big fish with big teeth. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, the first thing, so I started my, I started working on sharks about just uh, over 10 years ago with Greg Skolmel down in the Virgin Islands uh, doing juvenile shark work with the same technology. And one of the first pieces of advice that you always get uh, and I got from Greg was don't touch the pointy end. Uh, <laughs> good good know, advice. Very good yeah, advice. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, But I've always been just fascinated by fish. Um, I've worked a lot in mapping habitat in trying to determine how fish and other creatures use that habitat. And when I started at the center a number of years ago, uh, Greg and I were talking about, you know, creating this project, uh, combining this, the equipment that we have at the center, the expertise we have at the center, with the movement and technology that, you know, Greg and uh, Megan from the White Shark Conservancy bring to the table. And it's interesting because the world, you know, the world of shark research, there's a lot of people doing a lot of things. Collaborations are always important to get a lot of these larger questions done. Um, you know, a lot of the science that we do is needs to be multidisciplinary. I technically work in the geology department as a biologist okay. because you, combining those two um, skills really allows us to understand the habitat a lot better to create these things and create conclusions. And um, speaking of habitats, I mean, one thing that people are concerned about, it's climate change, it's habitats being just, you know, destroyed. Um, have you noticed any trends in your studies and your research about, you know, the habitats and how they're changing and how that might be affecting sharks? Um, so, not, I don't necessarily know yet for white sharks per se. Right. Uh, you know, they're a recovering species. They are traditionally off of the coast of, you know, uh, Cape Cod and Maine and Nova Scotia. So they're, you know, rebounding to these areas. But for like the species I studied down in the uh, Virgin Islands, you know, black tips and lemons, these are constantly under threat from, you know, development and marinas and stuff like that. So mapping the habitat from a conservation point of view is important to say, to state where they live. How, how are you going to use this data for with like local governments? What exactly are they looking for in, in your research? So the big overall thing I would like to produce out of this is basically a profile of when, where the sharks are more likely to be present. Right. And what that's going to do for the managers is either strengthen the recommendations they already have or point them in a direction to create better and new recommendations. Because science is always changing. Our understanding of these creatures is always changing. So we can keep up with that.
people might think, oh, sharks ever come to this area. And then you're like, well, they are in this area. Uh, you know, stop building like a water park there. Do you feel like every five years you just have to like just look at everything over and over again because things are just constantly changing so fast? Science is slow and science is constantly changing. Uh, and that's is the cool thing about science is you never prove anything, but you attempt to disprove things. So you have to repeat experiments. That's why I'm not coming out with conclusions from three weeks of data last fall. Sure. It's going to be this summer and next summer uh, before we come out with anything solid. And, and how long is this uh, study going for? So we have funding to do it through this year. So we're going to be actively seeking funding for next year and to continue this work down the road. Um, but, you know, we felt it was important to try to uh, get a project together going now that Greg has uh, a high number of sharks tagged in the uh, in the area. This is an evolving process that the data that we're collecting is it's you know once I'm able to present it more is super cool and you know it's gonna really help us understand you know where and when and you know to enjoy these animals and enjoy the beaches. For you, like what's the most exciting part about just being in science and all these discoveries? It's super cool when you've done something that no one has ever done before. Um, you know, this is one of the most dynamic coastlines uh, in the country. Mm -hmm. um, it is constantly changing. Uh, last fall, you know, we had a nor'easter come through the uh, study site at towards the tail end. It moved. 30 inches of sand over some of my equipment and we had to adapt, but we're still able to get some fantastic data showing the sharks moving in and out of these areas during some of the storms, but not during all of the storms. So it's quite fascinating. So it's interesting because you think like a shark would avoid a hurricane, but... So generally the uh, accepted idea is that, you know, they do move offshore uh, when the you know low pressure comes over and they you know they run from the storm, uh, but with, with the storms we had last winter, not last winter, last fall, mm -hmm. uh, we had some pretty big ones at the beginning of my study where we had you know two meter waves and there were still a couple sharks present, but when uh, we had a nor'easter come through and we had a very different uh, current uh, pattern where it was more of a rip current type scenario, the sharks booked it probably because it was too much like a washing machine to be in that shallow water. They were probably get too beat up if they ventured into that area. They, they're just like human beings. They respond to their environment. Like I said, when things are, the, the environments are changing. Is there any concern that like, you know, with like destruction of certain marine environments that the sharks are going to move to new areas that where they weren't previously? So, I think one of the bigger issues with uh, maybe not white sharks, but uh, a lot of the other smaller species that uses the coastline right. is that once you start destroying their nursery habitats, they won't know to necessarily go to another nursery habitat because they have what's called a, a natal philopatry. They return to the same bay like a salmon returns to the same river. So if you destroy that, or make it less likely for the pups to survive, that might be lost forever. Hmm. So it's not necessarily that they're going to move to another area. It's that you remove their home and made them less likely to survive, thus removing the shark from the system.
And that's interesting. You never think you think that they're able to adapt. You're like, yeah, I can just go. It's not like if your house gets destroyed, just buy a new house. Yeah. This is their house, and this is what they know. And affecting it in any way is going to have massive consequences going forward for the species. Yeah, not all, and not all sharks have that type of natal filipatry and sight fidelity, but many of the coastal ones do, uh, like black tips and lemons and um, other species. Certainly. Any final thoughts about uh, white sharks and doing research in the area? Um, you know, it's been a fascinating journey this far, and I hope to continue it for many years now. Um, working, you know, tightly with our seal biologist at the center, uh, where we're creating projects, and it's just a very cool system because 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, was not possible because we didn't have the sharks uh, present like they are now. The, the data concludes that like there are more, there is more shark presence in the, in the yes. past couple decades. So they're definitely more present. Uh, whether the population has necessarily grown, the conclusion isn't there yet. But it looks like yes, the population is increasing. Uh, but you know, it's been a shift in the last decade or so. What a fascinating question to answer. It's why. Oh, yeah. Why? And that's, I mean, that's what you're doing. And with this collaboration, we're all trying to ask the question, why? And everybody's got a little part of the answer. The, the piece of the shark puzzle, some might say. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, this definitely can't be done in a vacuum and alone. Thank you for listening to another episode of Shark Tales. We have more sharky things with the Atlantic White Shark Conservancy on our NBC10 Boston website, Instagram, and YouTube channels.